What's up, guys? My name is Alex Bonifer. I play Neil O'Connor on AMC's Kevin Can F Himself. Um, I'm just here in the man cave, hanging out, uh, having some beers. There's, uh, we got sports on. There's, there's football happening, uh, both American and the other kind. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Elias, you're the man. I appreciate you having me. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Alex, welcome to the cave. Man, thanks for having me, Elias. Really appreciate it. So good. Exciting time for you, huh? Real exciting time. Really, really exciting time. I'm just, uh, we had our, our AMC Plus premiere for the show on Sunday, and now I'm just looking forward to the 20th for the, the rest of the world to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the listeners and the viewers are going to see you as Neil O'Connor on Kevin Can F Himself. And uh, <laughs> man, it's just, uh, I, I told you off the air, I, I watched the first two episodes. Uh, it's an interesting show, interesting concept of the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely, uh, it's a deconstruction of a, a format that we've, you know, watched for years and, and yeah. sort of been told that it, you know, is, is sort of the way that things are. And our creator Val said, well, what if they're not that way? What if we follow, what if, what if, uh, you know, another character is, is the, the main character of this story. Mm. And that's what our show does. That's awesome. Yeah, before we dive into that, I mean, I was doing some research on you, man. Uh, you start off in your career, like, in the Groundlings, huh? Like, how did you decide, like, improv and comedy? Like, how, what made you fall in love with that? Yeah, uh, my dad is actually the one who got me into improv, uh, okay. if you can believe it. Uh, my dad, uh, I was home for a summer, and my dad was taking improv classes at the I.O. West Theater. This was 12 years ago, and said, you know, I'm doing this thing called improv. I think you'd be good at it. I think you'd like it. So... Uh, you know, basically get off your ass and go do, do some, be, be productive this summer. <laughs> yeah. So, so I went and I fell in love and that sort of set me off on this, um, this sort of, you know, passion that I've had for improv and for comedy for the last 12 years. And so I've been studying it uh, for, for years prior to even getting to the Groundlings, but the Groundlings is where it got serious. Um, the Groundlings is where I kind of saw uh, a, a, a potential, you know, a career uh, at the Groundlings because I had seen the talent that that theater has produced. I mean, from just like Will Ferrell, oh, yeah. uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, and on and on. So um, I saw what it could do. And I just said, let me let me commit myself to this, to this program, to this style of comedy, and see where it takes me. And, and truthfully, I, I owe pretty much, you know, my career to that to that theater and that school. Well, I don't like so I've had people on the show also that have done the grounding work. And um do you have have you thought about like even trying to do like stand up? Like I know some people like to do both. They like to do the improv and they also like to do the stand up. Yeah, I've done stand up one time and it was terrifying. It was it was the scariest thing that I've ever yeah. done because I'm comfortable. What we do at the Groundlings, for those that don't know, is is we do improv but also a lot of sketch comedy. I would consider it the preeminent sketch comedy theater um, in the country, if not the world. Um, but of course I'm biased, but it, the sketch comedy is like what you see on, on SNL sketches. Yeah. So we're in, we're in wigs and costumes and, you know, props and, and we sort of act out 
sketches. I like to call them sketches. Other people call them skits, which it kind of makes me cringe when I hear the word skit because it <laughs> brings me back. It makes me think of like, you know, uh, elementary school talent show or something doing a skit. But anyway, I digress. Um, so that's where I'm comfortable, you know, playing, playing characters and um, letting, letting behavior be the joke as opposed to the sort of the, the joke, the punchline, the yeah. thing that, that stand-ups are so great at doing. And that's kind of what I brought to Neil, you know, an element of, of, a, of just a character. And, and he's honestly not too different than a character that you might see me do in a sketch at the Groundlings. Um, so uh, have you had a chance to like, how many years have you been there you said now? In total at the Groundlings, five years. Wow. Have yeah, you had a chance to perform with uh, like, as they call them graduates of the Groundlings and they come back surprise guest have you been able to uh, work with anyone yeah the the biggest name that i got a chance to do an improv show with was sherry o'terry okay. um and that was awesome um we didn't have any scenes no we had a scene together in the show but my favorite part of the evening was we were doing a warm-up backstage um called mind meld where you basically try and say the same word at the same time um and she and i we had gone around the, the circle a number of times not getting the word and she and I said, um, uh, Roscoe's chicken and waffles at the exact same time. And she got really excited and jumped up into my hands. And I felt in that moment, like Will Ferrell on the cheerleading sketch. Cause she like jumped up and she's right. this like, you know, amazing ball of energy. So, um, she being the biggest one, uh, that I've had a chance to perform with, but I've really had a chance to meet a lot of the, um, you know, the Tim Bagley's, the Michael Hitchcock's, the you know, sort of like, uh, you know, earlier generation of Groundlings and meet them. And it's just such a great community um, of talented people. So the previous guest, uh, guest that I had on last year was Matt Cook. Oh, okay. Have you worked with him? I have worked with Matt. Yeah. yeah I've worked guy. with Matt. He's an amazing guy. Um, and he is, he is extremely supportive and couldn't be funnier. I'm, I'm, I'm a friend of his, but I'm also such a fan of, of what he does. He's just incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. So one more question on the Groundlings. Like, have you ever been like one of those shows where you're performing and you've had a guest that's come on and just crashed your set and you have to improv with them? Because I've heard stories about that. Or have uh, you seen something like that? I mean, I've seen that happen tons and tons, but not, not really at the Groundlings, to be honest, because Groundlings, we do uh, what's called short form improv. So they're like okay. quicker games. I've seen that happen a lot in my career in doing long form improv where you're kind of working. It's a little bit more of a slow burn. The scenes kind of have a little bit of room to breathe and you're sort of finding your footing. And that's where when you can tell two performers are really working to establish, you know, the who, what, where and what's kind of funny about the scene. And someone does a walk on and like throws a canned ham for no reason. And you're like, what that? we're in a library, dude. What are you, you know, like, what are you I doing? Can't but, it here. <laughs> yeah, what, why, why? And then you just leave and then you're like, okay, now these two improvisers have to figure it out. Um, but no, not, not really, not really at the Groundlings so much. And, you know, while I'm in the Sunday company of the Groundlings now, which is like the top level of the school. So we do a weekly uh, sketch show. Um, well, you know, we were doing that before the shutdown, obviously, and, and yeah. we're going to the theater is scheduled to reopen pretty soon. Um, but uh, it's predominantly sketch comedy. And then we do mix in a couple of improv sets, a show, but the, the main focus in Sunday company is sketch comedy and that's all written pre-planned, you know? Um, and in that, I will say sometimes like a wig falls off and that wow. like throws everything. And then you do have to kind of justify 
like why the wig falls off and why the character's wearing a wig. So that's <laughs> tricky, but I also love that. You know, that's like live live theater. That's what I love about it is that anything can happen, even in a pre-planned sketch. Um, anything can anything can happen, and you just gotta. That's where the improv training kicks in. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, man, let's talk about your new show. Uh, how awesome was it filming this, and how did you uh, how did you get approached for the role? And was it for Neil at first, or did you go for someone else? Uh, it was for Neil. I um, so I kind of got my my start by design in like a professional pursuit uh, in this industry pretty late. I uh, as I had mentioned before, I've been studying comedy for the mm -hmm. better part of twelve years, and I really just wanted to make that my focus. So, um, and I use the expression I wanted to tip the scales, not flip the switch. So I was working a you know nine to five. I was actually selling furniture. Would would go do improv class at nights, and then you know would write when I got the Sunday company. And then when I did get to Sunday Company, I could start to feel the, the scales, you know, shifting a little bit. And I did, uh, they host for us what's called an industry night where, you know, managers and agents and, and okay. casting directors will come and see us. So I had a good showing at one of our industry nights. And um, that kind of put me on a lot of casting directors radars, you know, and like they, they knew who I was. And then I started getting called in for things. Um, and one of which was a, a recurring role on Superstore, which was on NBC. Um, and then, then pilot season kicked off where they're starting to cast for new shows and series regulars. And this was just another, you know, audition that came through via my manager and my agents. And, you know, luckily enough, it was my favorite script that, that I got. Um, and it was for Neil and the, the breakdown of the character was pretty short. And I remember it was like 30 to 40 which is older, I'm 32. So it was like older than me. And then it was like, you know, uh, portly or heavier set, but wears it well. And that was kind of it. And I just, for one reason or another, convinced myself that I'm like, oh, well, they, they want someone 35 to 40. So that's not me. So I'm not going to get this thing. And it really, what that did was free me up to go into the audition room and go like, let me just make a choice. Let me, you know, let me be bold and be, be a, a character. And let me see, you know, kind of how dumb I can make this guy. And um, I even costumed this audition, which I don't, don't do for wow. every audition, but some call for it, but down to wearing, you know, I was wearing a backwards, um, Red Sox cap, um, uh, sweatshirt with a, a football t-shirt on and baggy or jeans. So I was like, let me look, I don't think this is right for me, but this is who I think this guy is. So let me bring that into the room. Um, and then I went in for the first round of auditions and, uh, by the time I got back to my car, my manager texted me and said, they want to bring you back in for another wow. audition, which was crazy. I was the like, same, same day, same, same day wow. minutes later. So that's when I knew I had done something right. That the choice yeah. that I made and I just sort of said, screw it. Let's, you know, this is who I think this guy is. If they don't go for it, they don't go for yeah. it. But um, they really bought into my sort of vision of, of who Neil was. Um, so yeah, same day. They told me they wanted to bring me back in to audition in front of the director and the producers. So that happened a few days, uh, about a week later um, for that second round of auditions. And then the same thing, but when I was in my car driving home, my manager said they want to bring you back in to test for the network. So it was like wow. really, really quick. Um, and then the network test happened a few days, uh, probably four or five days after that, um, where we're testing, you know, they bring in, Annie was there, Annie Murphy mm. um, was there, and she had already been cast as Allison, the, the lead of the show. 
And then they had two Kevins, uh, myself and another Neil, and then two Mary Hollis's who play my sister. And then they sort of just do a, a, a round robin, you know, so you'd like go in and audition with a group. That group would come out. They would, you know, say, let's try this Kevin with this Neil and this Pat. Yeah. So it was just like mixing it up. And then, um, and then that Friday, I got the call from the casting director, Felicia Fasano, and, and my team letting me know I got the role. And that wow. was obviously a life-changing uh, yeah. life experience. So when you went in there for the audition, did you, uh, did you throw the Boston accent also? Like, or did you have to learn that after? Or did you find it easy? And, well, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I can do accents and dialects pretty well. But yeah. Boston is, is, was not one, and still to a degree, not really, that I could sink into uh, seamlessly. I would kind of need to break it down. So the first round, they said, yes, do an accent. And then the second round, so which I prepared for, obviously. And then the second round, they said, no accent. And then the third round, they didn't tell us anything. And I said, well, look, we're from Worcester. I got to do like the Boston accent thing. Like, I got to do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there was some, there was one actor who didn't do it. And so it was sort of confusing, but no, I definitely did. I went in with a Boston accent and, um, cause that's just who it was part of who I thought Neil was, you know, I don't think there's a, a world where this guy, Neil, who's like never left, you know, the Worcester, the Worcester is going to yeah. not have an accent. So, yeah. It's funny. Cause like uh, I mentioned yesterday, I, re I yesterday recorded with Megan and she's actually from the Boston area. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So that I asked her, cause I'm from Massachusetts also, but I'm, I'm like from Western mass. So I said to her, okay. like, did you, cause we haven't seen her yet. She hasn't appeared at episode three. Right. So I asked her like, did you do the Boston accent? She's like, no. And she goes, thank God. Cause I felt like I'd have been more pressure because I'm from around here. <laughs> right. So it's like, yeah. no, for me, it's like, I was normal, but everybody else around me has to do the accent. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm good. <laughs> there, I mean, there's definitely pressure, man. I look, I love Worcester. I, we were, I was, I lived there for not in Worcester. I lived in uh, Quincy mass, okay. not Quincy, Quincy. Quincy. As I quickly learned, I was walking around and like, Oh, I live in Quincy. I was like telling people on set and they're like, Oh yeah. Quincy's a great, great part of town. I love it there. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I was there for six months and I really just grew to love like the people of Massachusetts, the culture, I would drive out to Worcester uh, every couple of weeks to get a hot dog from George's Coney Island hot dogs. Big shout out to those guys. Love what they do. Um, she was just a fan. And uh, funnily enough, the, the, our costume designer, Carol Cutshaw uh, went to Worcester, got approval from this hot dog place, restaurant to use their t-shirt for Neil. Oh, wow. And we decided that that was going to be Neil's favorite. Like that was his go-to spot. It's kind of like a Worcester institution. It's been there yeah. for forever. And I also like my palate just speaks to their hot dogs. So I would drive out there. I would drive out there quite a bit. Um, and, and it was like an hour drive. So two hours round trip, but boy, was it worth it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. She was telling me, yeah, you guys, so you guys filmed in a warehouse for like six months. Yeah. It was a furniture, a converted furniture warehouse in Randolph, Mass. Um, uh -huh. And they, I don't, my guess would be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 or 40,000 square feet. I'm terrible at like, wow. it could be like 10,000 square feet. And I, have no <laughs> idea, but it seemed time. Yeah. But, but almost all of the interiors that you see on the show were filmed. The majority of them were filmed in this converted warehouse soundstage. Um, and what was interesting about my particular, you know, journey on the show is that it took us six months to film, but we really, we filmed for two months and then we took about a month and a half off 
um, over the holidays. So basically from Thanksgiving until the new year. And then everyone came back and we filmed for another two, three months because we finished in March. Um, but given the state of the world and the pandemic, um, you know, whereas a lot of people went home, my wife and my daughter, uh, we have a two and a half year old daughter, they were with me the whole time. And oh, wow. rather than, you know, risk getting COVID with travel and, you know, and not to mention we had given up our apartment here in Los Angeles. So we didn't really have like a home base. Everything was just in storage. So we said, you know what, let's just as our little family unit do the holidays in, in the Northeast. Um, and that's where, I mean, I really like, you know, really had that time to kind of like fall in love with Massachusetts and like the culture and the people and even the snow. I'm, I'm from LA. I'm a California kid, but, <laughs> but we had some fun sledding days. Um, that's right. That were really cool. So, uh, so the character, Neo, what's your favorite thing about him? Do you have any difficulties playing with, you know, playing a certain scene or, throughout the season like tell us a little bit more about him yeah neil so neil's uh, kevin's neighbor and his best friend and he's sort of you know seen on a from a, a wider lens uh kind of like the quintessential sitcom sidekick um that yeah. we've seen he's like you know the barney rubble to kevin's fred flintstone right. he's always just there he's always seemingly you know a part of the adventure um so that's sort of on a from a from a bird's eye view that's the role he serves in the show um, but I saw Neil as someone who, um, what, what I really wanted to bring to Neil was his passion and his emotion and, and his sincerity. Um, he says a lot of really stupid things and he's not a very bright guy, um, but he has a lot of heart. And while it's certainly misplaced because it's almost entirely surrounds uh, or is you know consumed by Kevin and what Kevin wants to do, um, he does have a lot of heart and a lot of emotion. And so he's really invested in all of these sort of stupid adventures that Kevin gets caught up in. And yeah. comedically, that's just one thing that I've learned is that when you take something uh, serious and pair it with something silly, so whether it's a serious emotion paired with something that's silly or something silly that's going on with a serious emotion, um, that, that generally bodes well comedically. So, mm. you know, that's the thing. I mean, there, there was a time on set where it's in the first episode where we're um, interviewing Tom Brady lookalikes right, for, right. for the anniversary. <laughs> and me as an actor, and I had just, uh, this is coming off of the heels that Kevin and Allison are moving. Um, away, which is obviously the worst thing that could ever happen to Neil is that Kevin leaves him. Um, so he's very emotional in the scene. And that's where, you know, I was really going to like, as an actor, deep into my toolkit for some like dark, you know, dark stuff, but paired with, I was standing next to three guys who look like Tom Brady and one of them was wearing a helmet. That's where, you know, the comedy, the comedy bodes well. And what I wanted to bring to Neil, he's always, He's a, he's a he's not the brightest uh, bulb in the box, but he really cares. So we mentioned earlier how the show is like you know you said like uh, Anne's character when she steps off like pretty much the living room or the kitchen she like it's a darker world I guess would you say? Yeah, um, I just think it's certainly darker. Yeah. I describe it as um, you're just seeing the same reality through a different lens. You know, yeah. you're seeing 
you're you're seeing her reality when Kevin's around, and it's viewed like you know we the audience has yeah has viewed the guys like that for for you know decades, um, and then when it shifts, the lens just changes, and it gets it gets a little bit more um, you know it just gets real. So I think that the the darkness comes from sort of the reality of what it what it would be like to be married to a guy like Kevin McRoberts on our show. And yeah, it does, you know, because she's been sort of driven to this dark place, she goes she goes through some pretty dark stuff and uh, plans some pretty dark stuff too. Are we going to see you in that world? I don't know. I'm not I'm I'm just Kevin's best buddy right now, yeah. so it's just like it's it's he's along for the for the adventure whatever stupid thing that Kevin concocts. <laughs> What's been your favorite Neil line? Oh man, favorite Neil line. I have a lot of them, um, but two that stick out. Uh, there's there's one that was in the audition where it's it's his order um, at a, a place called Tricky Ricky's, which is like a Dave and Buster's type place, and he rattles it off really quickly. And it's just poppers and sticks, salsa and chips, weenies and wings, taters and rings, coming right up. That's just <laughs> like their order. Um, there's that one, and then. Um, there's an, a line in the first episode, which I kind of changed the affect on it, where um, where Allison is, we're planning the anniversary rager outside. And meanwhile, Kevin's boss is coming over. So we're, we're trying to do that, like that kind of sitcom trope of like boss is coming over and Kevin's going to yeah. try and get away with this thing. So Allison goes, do you really think he's not going to notice a party in the next room? And Neil goes, <sighs> we're having a party in the backyard, Allison. Like he's so like, you know, over her, even though she makes a very valid point and he's stupid. He's like, I know so much more than you, Allison. Um, so those are two of them. I mean, every yeah. everything that comes out of Neil's mouth makes me laugh, you know, so credit to the writers for that. When you guys filmed this, obviously it wasn't filmed in front of a live studio audience. When you went back and watched the first two episodes, I mean, you might've seen the rest of the season too, but, uh, how, how like how is it like watching it with like an actual laugh track on it? <laughs> it's 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 interesting. It's um, you know, the laughers were so good. There was probably ten of them. They were like in a different part of the soundstage, so they were watching on monitors yeah. with all the PPE and and social social distance, whatever. Um, and they were you know they were there to do their job, which was laugh and like hit the marks, and they always hit the marks, and they would laugh with at like different octaves, and some laughs would linger, and some wouldn't, but we could tell as actors, like when we like got to them, when we were like, ah, that wasn't just like a, you know, a, a scripted laugh per se. Um, but it's, it's funny. It, it, it brings me back to when we were filming, which was just an awesome, an awesome time. And, and, and I guess to more, more specifically answer your question, seeing the laugh track um, on a lot of Kevin's lines, which, you know, are not, there, some of them are off color, you know, when, when he yeah. sort of belittles Allison and things like that. And then they're paired with a laugh. It, it makes you think it doesn't, it, it's not that, you know, those kind of specifically those lines, you know, are certainly meant to kind of bite and go, Oh, like God, but the laughter reminds us as the audience that like, these aren't new jokes. We've been hearing these jokes on these types of shows for a long time, but like, why are they, why is it paired with laughter? So that that kind of um, 
was an interesting thing to kind of when I rewatched it to go like, oh yeah, the laughter is just like a reminder of of what these mm. shows have done, programmed us to do for years. Have you, has any of your family or friends watched the first two episodes yet? What have they give as a review? What what have they told you about it? Um, yeah, so we did. Uh, I, I have uh, a place here in Los Angeles, and um, we have a courtyard um, in our building, and all of our neighbors are really cool. So we actually did a screening of the first okay. episode, and there were probably like, say, like seventy-five friends and family and neighbors all here, um, and the the feedback was really great. I mean, obviously, again, they're biased, but I yeah. do think that that they would tell me. My family's also not, you know, they're not bullshitters. They would tell me yeah. they didn't like it, and. The general feedback was that you find yourself watching both the sitcom world, you know, lens and the the uh, single cam lens, and each one kind of fueling to the other. And you you find yourself they found themselves like looking forward to the next transition or trying to having fun trying to kind of guess and go, ooh, I wonder if they're going to transition back here or you know when Allison gets a phone call, are they going to cut to Kevin in the living room? That kind of thing, um, and that each one kind of, you know, fuels the other. The, the sitcom is, uh, is, is funny at times, but it's also meant to be sort of enraging and, and help, you know, get you on Allison's side in, in terms right. of what she wants to do, which is, you know, plotting to kill her husband, which is a pretty, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty yeah. crazy thing to be on someone's side about. But, you know, that's, that's the role that we, that we play. And that's what, you know, the, the sort of the sitcom lens has, uh, you know, meant to do for the audience is to also you know hopefully make you laugh um in spite of what it is but also make you think and go ah that's actually not appropriate behavior and i get why allison wants to do what she wants to do right you know so you guys filmed eight episodes yep and you were in on season two how many like do you have to wait a few weeks before it actually airs on amc is that what the you guys that's, are going by that's what we've been told we don't know we haven't been you know uh, officially picked up and and yeah we're we're just being told that you know th th things are looking good and where everyone's staying hopeful yeah. and you know like I knock on wood and, and cross my fingers a bunch that that, that happens um, I certainly think that where the story goes um, you know is is deserving of and geared towards a second season but no we haven't we haven't officially been told anything and I think that's just kind of how AMC likes to do things is let you know let see what the viewership is and see what the feedback is and then and then kind of ultimately decide but um, we're feeling good. We're feeling, feeling great. It's great. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, me and my wife enjoyed the first two episodes, so we're hoping he keeps going. Cool. Cool, man. Me too. Me too. Uh, uh, Alex for, uh, lastly, uh, for the listeners and the viewers, tell them where they can see the show and how can they find you on social media? Awesome. So yeah, my social media handles, uh, are just at Alex Bonifer at my name, which you can see, right. Where's, how do I work this thing right there? If they can see that. Um, you can watch Kevin can F himself this Sunday, June 20th on AMC, 9 PM first two episodes. So you get a real flavor of what the season's about. And then, um, Sundays at nine on AMC from there on out. Alex, man, this was great. Uh, thanks for coming on. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.